Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. It's a wonderful time of year where you get to, as um, a community of faith, remember some important things about our faith, including, of course, the birth of Jesus. And we remember even how different things are described and different stories are told. For instance, you might be tempted to remember this time of year that classic poem that says, He sees you when you're sleeping, which is a little creepy. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been what? So be for. Okay. Who am I describing there? Yes, the answer is not Jesus there, in case you were wondering. Maybe some similarities, but Santa Claus from the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, right? Now, as a kid, you know, hearing this song, I was indoctrinated in this theology of a just Santa Claus who would pay you according to your behavior with presents, right? If you were a good boy or girl, you would receive, you know, candy and presents and toys and toys and toys, but if you were bad, I always heard that Santa had this startling, surprising thing he would give to you at Christmas, a lump of coal. How many of you have heard the story about Santa giving a lump of coal for Christmas to bad boys and girls? Heard this story? How many of you have received a lump of coal? Yeah, Sam, I, I, I could see that actually. It's so weird, a lump of coal. It's kind of the universal sign in your stocking of bad behavior throughout the year for kids, right? Santa stiffs you with a black rock. Where in the world did that come from? Well, there's some uh, origin stories about that uh, kind of story, the age-old coal. Maybe it goes back to 19th century England is one suggestion. Some say even goes all the way back to 16th century Holland where kids would put their clogs, this is before stockings, but their clogs in front of the fireplace. And if you were a good child that year, you would receive candy or cookies in your clogs on Christmas morning, which also sounds a little gross, you know cookies in your nasty shoes, but that was for good boys and girls, and bad boys and girls would receive coal from a nearby fireplace. Other stories didn't just include coal. Some legends have Santa would leave twigs in your shoes or stockings, bags of salt, garlic, or an onion. Can you imagine waking up on Christmas morning with an onion in your shoe? (laughs) Good boys and girls get the good gifts. Bad boys and girls get a lump of coal. That's the story, right? It's funny how that story can then kind of shape other areas of your life, how that same story kind of plays out. You know, if you've had little kids in your life, maybe your parents or your grandparents, you know, that story becomes like part and parcel for when you're desperate in a store somewhere and they're throwing a fit, right? It's like, please, just be good, just be good, just be good, and I'll get you a treat. Because, you know, good boys and girls get good gifts, right? That's the story. Or sometimes the story goes into our working lives where we go to work and we say to ourselves, you know, if I just work hard and put in the hours and climb the corporate ladder, if I just be good, then I'll make more money and I'll retire with lots of toys. Sometimes. Or sometimes that even goes into our theology when we think about God. We think, you know, God loves good boys and girls and gives them good gifts, and God punishes bad boys and girls and gives them lumps of coal. So if my life is full of coal and bad things, God must not like me that much. 
But we have to be careful to distinguish between God and Santa, between the Christ and the claws. I don't know, when I've been reading through again the, the biblical Christmas story, I just keep coming back to this radical surprise of Jesus' birth and, and how traditions get upended in His birth. Suddenly God acts in this surprising way and everybody involved has to scramble to relearn who this God is and, and how He acts in the world. Certainly the birth of Jesus was prophesied from ages past and yet when it gets there, wow, this is a surprise. And maybe this month with Christmas coming just in a few weeks, It'd be helpful for us to be surprised again at the God of redemption, the God who surprised the world at the first Christmas and who can make this Christmas the very best surprise we could ever imagine, a God who can turn our lumps of coal into diamonds. There seemed to be some coal dished out in the first Christmas story. Matthew's story of Christmas starts with a pretty stark and startling situation, really. Verse 18 of Matthew 1 says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And you think, oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is cookies and candy, right? This is sappy Hallmark movies, a love story. Mary and Joseph sitting in a tree. But, oh boy, here comes the coal. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is how Christmas started? This is surprising. If you're new to the Bible or if you're new to the Christian faith and you hear this story, you've got to be thinking, what in the world is this? An unwed teenage girl finds out she's pregnant and says, God has something to do with that, and you wouldn't be the only one struggling with a story like that. In the first century world, those Jewish people around her, they would have been really struggling. An unwed pregnancy was grounds for capital punishment according to the old law of Moses. But the Roman occupiers would not allow capital punishment without their permission, so at least, at the very least, it a severe social stigma. This was a lump of coal in Mary's life. And it's a terribly difficult way to begin a story about a Savior in the line of David, a virgin conception. It's very hard to verify that claim. Plus, a virgin conceiving was no more plausible for a first century Jewish person than it is for a 2019 American like us. This strains belief. But Matthew assures us This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. In fact, the word in Greek that he uses for birth is the word uh, genesis, which might sound familiar to you. It's the title of the first book of the Bible, Genesis. This is the genesis of Jesus, the beginning, the birth, the, the origin story of Christ the Messiah. And for those first Hebrew readers, you better believe their minds would go back to Genesis. And you remember the first chapter, the first verse, how the whole story begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And notice this, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the same way that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of creation, now the Spirit of God is hovering over the womb of Mary in new creation. Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, tells about how God created this beautiful, wonderful, good creation and how humans wrecked it all. And now Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, tells how God, through His Spirit, is recreating all of creation and God is putting it all back together through this human 
named Jesus. Christmas is about a God who takes a lump of coal and turns it into a diamond, and it is a surprise, especially the way it all turns out. You know, I can't imagine that in the last few weeks or few months that that many of you, perhaps all of you, have received one lump of coal or another in your shoes, news that's just not that welcome, things that happen that aren't that great. Maybe for you, you know, you woke up this morning and you got sore throat and sniffles. Surprise! Maybe it's harder. Maybe you learned this week of a son or a daughter or a niece or nephew being deployed. You hit a deer with your car. You experienced loss or grief. Maybe you woke up this morning and and this coming Christmas season, as the, the, the month turned over to December, it, it just sacked you with grief over a lost loved one this year. That you thought you'd sort of worked through all of that and you'd, you'd made your way and you were feeling better about life, but surprise, it all comes rushing back this time of year. It's like a lump of coal on a cold winter day. But here's what is surprising in this Christmas story. It just shouts to us through the ages that God provides a way when there's no other way. It was true for Mary, it was true for Joseph, it's true for you. In fact, what I think is so surprising about Mary's pregnancy in Matthew 1, I think is best described by Frederick Dale Bruner. He says this, when the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into history, much that good people think proper is contradicted. It's a surprise. Christmas coal turns out to be candy and the sweetest surprise the world has ever known, the birth of a Savior, the birth of Jesus. But it is shocking. And anytime you're shocked, you have questions, don't you? Questions come to mind. This morning, let me highlight just a couple of coal questions of the Christmas story. Like the first and maybe most significant question we always ask is why? In my mind, why such scandal around the birth of Jesus? Think about it this way. The birth of Jesus, the story of Jesus begins with a sex scandal. Joseph and Mary are pledged to be married. She turns up pregnant. Everybody knows what that means. Now, engagement in those days was something deeper than our current practice. Betrothal in their day and age usually lasted about a year. The bride and groom were considered to be together, but they had not yet consummated the marriage. Everything they did came under the law of marriage in the land. Advances towards someone else other than your fiancé was considered adultery, according to Deuteronomy 22. Engagement could only be broken by divorce. And so Mary comes along and she shares that she's pregnant, Joseph. Yeah, you should have turned her into the authorities. She would have been brought before the synagogue. Probably she would have been whipped 39 times and excluded from the community for her sin. But Joseph, he's in anguish because a woman so disgraced like that, a woman divorced under such circumstances, well, she would never find another suitable husband. And so when her parents passed away, she'd have no means of support. And yet she's pregnant. It's not his baby. It's embarrassing. And even today, as you hear the story, it may feel embarrassing, especially in our world, a scandal of sorts in the Me Too movement world we live in. Why this scandal? Now, it wasn't the only story 
circulating around the ancient world about virgin conceptions and scandal. The Greeks had a story of their gods. One tale, uh, Zeus, the chief god, fell in love with a human woman named Danae, and when she was in seclusion, the, the legend is told, he sent a rain of gold down upon her, and she conceived Perseus, a virgin conception, a warrior who would kill Medusa. And the Romans had their own stories. Uh, one of their poets, uh, the poet Ovid, would tell about the gods, how Juno, the wife of Jupiter, sought help from the goddess Flora to conceive a child without her husband. And with the touch of a magic flower, she conceived the god Mars. Or even in ancient Chinese myth, there was a deity named Qi who was miraculously conceived when his mother stepped in a giant footprint left by the supreme deity Shangdi. Ladies, watch your step this week. You just never know. Lots of strange stories. But none of those are couched in the history of God's covenant people, Yahweh's covenant people. Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Moshiach, the the anointed, the, the Savior, this is how this came about. Listen, an unwed teenage mother doesn't fit the Jewish style. This was completely unexpected, a surprise. What is happening here? It it caught them by surprise, even though God had long prophesied it. And yet in the extended Christmas story in Matthew, it probably shouldn't catch us too surprising. Scandalous stories among the family of Jesus exist. You don't have to look any farther than the first 17 verses. You've probably skimmed this list of names before. It's not very Christmassy. There's the Christmas story of uh, Tamar in verse 3. You might remember her from Genesis 38. Tamar was the mother of Perez and Zerah, but Judah was not her husband. Uh, Judah went and he married a Canaanite woman and he had three sons by her. And when the oldest son came of age, as was their custom, he found a wife for his oldest son named Tamar, this Tamar. But that oldest son died. And so again, according to their custom, it was uh, their responsibility to have the wife of the older son be passed down to the now the middle son, and she became his wife, but that middle son also died. So according to custom, they were to take that wife, and she was to become the wife of the youngest son when he came of age, but um, life got complicated for Judah. He not only lost those two sons, his wife died, and so when the time came for him to give Tamar to his youngest son, he went to a party instead. And as he goes to this party, Tamar is enraged. And this was her her right, according to their traditions. And so she plotted. And on Judah's way home from this party, walking through a town, he sees at the town gate a beautiful woman in a veiled face. And she's a street walker. She's a prostitute. And he propositions her. And uh, he sleeps with her. And he thinks nothing of it. And he goes home until that woman turns up pregnant. And that's when old Judah had his Jerry Springer moment. Because the pregnant prostitute he thought so little of at that town gate actually turned out to be his daughter in law, Tamar. Talk about a lump of coal. Sex scandal in the Christmas line. Unwarranted pregnancy. Surprise. Or verse 5, you see it with Rahab in this story. You might remember her story from Joshua 2. She ran a brothel in Jericho, scandal. And Joshua had sent some spies into the land to try to determine some tactical secrets. And those spies, those male spies, happened to spend the night in her establishment. 
And yet when the king of Jericho heard about their uh, being in his land and came after them, she hid those spies and she sent them back safely. And so when they attacked, they spared her and she, an outsider, even amidst the scandal, became a part of the, the people of God, the line of the Savior. And then there's Uriah's wife in verse 6. We know her as Bathsheba, but she'll forever be known as Uriah's wife because she's the woman that King David stole. David, the slayer of Goliath. David, the warrior poet who penned most of our psalms. David, the, the man after God's own heart, saw her and took her in adultery, and she became pregnant, and so he had her husband killed. Sex scandal. And for each of these women, and even for innocent Mary, a scandal marred their reputations. To be pregnant and Jewish and engaged was scandal. Why such scandal, God? Why not just select a normal-born child? Why not just beam down to the earth? Why this? Well, I notice Jesus is no stranger to scandal. His story, Matthew begins with it and seems to end with it. There's embarrassment in the beginning, and in the end, he begins by being born into the midst of gossip and rumor and all kinds of innuendo, and he ends, or close to the end of the story, there is the death on a cross as a criminal. And yet, in the midst of all of this embarrassment, all these lumps of coal, God is transforming the world. He steps into the mess. He does not sidestep it, and he brings life in an unlikely place. This first Christmas shows us that God's ways are not our ways, that God is bigger than scandal, that God uh, can take any coal and crush it into diamonds. And, and so for us today, I want to just say it this way, along with the Apostle Paul, that despite whatever you're going through, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Even if that good work gets slapped around with some scandal or if you get lost along the way or if God needs to rescue you from some lumps of clay, or some lumps of coal. God, according to Psalm 111, has provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is, in his, is his name. This God speaks of, of sweeping away in Isaiah 44. Your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, He says to His people. For I have redeemed you. And this is how God does this for us. He does it through a scandalously born baby named Jesus Paul would say, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Why this scandal, God? It's so that Jesus, conceived of Holy Spirit, fully God himself, could pay the penalty for our sins that no man could pay for. It's so that Jesus, conceived of Mary, fully human himself, can come and be with us and substitute for us in his sacrifice. It's a God who would bring together heaven and earth, who would join humanity and deity hand in hand, a God who would take scandal upon himself and separate us from the scandal of our sin. In other words, God provides a way when there is no other way. And now we, the people of God in Christmas time, we get to embody the same God and become perhaps the way of God for others in our lives who see no other way. About a week or so ago now, a journey group here at Southside decided to kind of pool their resources together to help a, a single mom who's had some trouble with her son's health, and they filled up boxes of food and paper products and gift cards and some other things together. It was wonderful. I was um, given these things, was able to drive over uh, to the woman's home with my friend Terrence, and we delivered all these things, and it had been a hard day for her. She was weeping, and 
had heard some hard medical news, and um, when she saw all the gifts, she just was overwhelmed with gratefulness, and we prayed together, and, um, and I left. It wasn't a long visit, honestly. And yet, I love this. She wrote this on, on Facebook um, after she told us this story. Uh, take a look here. She said, God really do have my back. Real life walking testimony. I applied for Link to get some extra help in getting food for me and Sincere, and they called me back and denied me for a couple of reasons. None of them were good enough for me. I exchanged some hateful words to the woman over the phone, whom I'm sure had no control over the situation, and hung up in her face. Looking back, (laughs) I wish I could apologize. But God heard me. Today, uh, Pastor Brooks from Southside Christian Church and Mr. Jordan, Sincere's principal, came by my house with boxes of food. God hears every single word I say to him, and that's how I know my baby will be healed. Jesus, I thank you so much. I am so humble because of you. Man, I love that. Now, I got the Facebook credit, but you did the ministry. And God provided a way when there seemed to be no other way. Do you see it? I got a phone call this week, earlier this week, from a woman who, as soon as I got on the phone, I could barely understand or hear her because she was sobbing so uncontrollably on the phone. Her husband had passed away a few years ago. She had recently lost her job. And she said, one of you reached out to her with an everyday hope gift and helped her in her time of need, and she could not stop sobbing long enough to tell me how grateful she was for a gift like that. She didn't see it coming. She didn't say it in so many words, but the theme of her words were this. God provides a way when there's no other way. Do you see it? We ask why the scandal, but maybe the more important Cole question is personal. Let me ask you this way. What impossibilities have blocked your way? What are the things in your life you see? No way that God might be providing a way. Have you struggled this week through a long Thanksgiving week with lots of family time together? Maybe you sat around a table and somebody disagreed with you on how you parent your kids or You had some interesting conversations about politics or the president or long disagreements about some of your life choices. And you begin to wonder to yourself, are we ever going to have a functioning and healthy family environment that's impossible? Let me shout to you what this Christmas story shouts to us from thousands of years ago that God provides a way when there's no other way. Or maybe this morning you come here and on the outside you're smiling because it's church and Sunday and you should be smiling, but inside you are anxiety-ridden. How am I going to pay my student loans? How am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to pay for Christmas layaway that's coming just around the corner? What am I going to do? Or maybe it's a job responsibility. You've got so much work to do and so little time to do it and you're so stressed out about it. Or maybe you're waiting for the medical clinic to call about a test and every day you wait is like an impossible hill to climb. Let me just share with you that we hear this Christmas story saying to us through the ages that God provides a way when there seems to be no other way. Or maybe you're here this morning and scandal surrounds you. You couldn't sell your reputation at a MacArthur pawn shop. You walk by and people, their eyes drop to the floor. 
your image has been torn to shreds. You wonder, how am I ever going to get over this? Can I just say to you what this Christmas story says to each of us? That God provides a way when there is no other way. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I think when a hard pregnancy hit Mary, she had to learn what we all need to relearn every Christmas season, and it's simply this. When you're stuck, it may just be the moment our Savior is showing up in surprising ways. And the coal you curse today may create the diamond you desire tomorrow. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, Zechariah prayed, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. Father, we pray today a prayer of thanks that Your Son has come to us to redeem us, to, to take all the coal we've made and deserved in our lives and to find a diamond there instead. New life, new creation in You. Forgiveness, sins washed away, hope for a new day and an eternity. Father, help us to soak in that story this Christmas and to live it out in the lives of others around us who are drowning in coal and who need to see your redemption. We pray this in Jesus, our Christmas Savior's name. Amen.